Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas, a wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at OzarkFolkCenter.com. Hey everybody, this is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. On this week's show, we'll feature the music and interviews with some rowdy boys who came through here a while back and played some outrageously good neo-old-time music, the Hog Slop String Band. Folklorist Brooks Blevins will continue his piece on the largest wild animal in the Ozarks, and of course I'll be visiting with my pal Mark Jones down in the vault. All that and more this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. The Hog Slop String Band is a Nashville-based old-time string band comprised of four energetic young musicians hailing from Georgia and Tennessee. Featuring Kevin Martin on the fiddle, Gabriel Kelly on guitar, Daniel Binkley on banjo, and Casey Pickle McBride on the washtub bass, these boys surely raise a ruckus. Here are a few of the tunes they played for us when they came by last summer. Start 
we grew up in old time. Um, I grew up in a community where I, you know, our family had a group of pickers that we were always around. And I just happened to be the only seven or eight year old kid there with a bunch of 70 year old people. Um, and it's kind of, I kind of feel like we were each of those people in our own mm -hmm. communities. We were the young up and comers. I feel like it almost skipped a generation. Like my, my parents' age, they didn't really play too much, but then their parents' age all played. Um, so I think for a lot of us, we all grew up in it. And then once we got to Nashville, um, it actually, I mean, I've, we've all been there close to 10 years, if not more. I've been there nine years come August, so. Yeah, and, and when we first got there, when we first got there, I don't think any of us really knew about an, an old time scene. And we, we discovered that there was a, a Wednesday night picking thing that happened for old time at a place called the Five Spot. And we ended up all on our own because we loved old time coming there and then met each other and became friends. And that's where a lot of this whole thing started. Sugar out, shake, go to bed. Sugar in the gourd. Sugar in the gourd. Sugar in the gourd. 
our sets can vary a lot depending on where we are. Where we just played this weekend at Romp Fest in, in Kentucky is a pretty wild. It's a younger crowd. Uh, it's a it's a bit more wild. Everybody's probably a little more lubricated from alcoholic beverages sure. when we're playing, and 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 so it can go from quite rowdy, which really does kind of embody some more of that punk rock scene. There was a moment there where Pickle almost stage died. He actually jumped, was about to jump off the stage, and then instead we just had about forty people climb up onto the stage with us. Sound guys were freaking out. Yeah, so, you know, sometimes it definitely goes that direction. But we what we love it, though. I mean, one thing that's very important for us, 100%, is, uh, and I'll just speak for myself here, but I, I feel like growing up in the old-time world, there's a lot of preservation that goes on when people want to, of course, carry on tradition, which we believe in a 1,000%. But we also, I tend to think about this music as being music that was about having a great time after you'd worked hard and you come home, let off a little steam, drink a little shine or whatever, have a good time, and it's 11 o'clock barn dancing music sort of thing. Police come, didn't want to go this morning. Police come, didn't want to go this morning. Police come, didn't want to go. Shot him in the head with my 44 this morning. Two old maids laying in the sand this morning. Two old maids laying in the sand this morning. Two old maids laying in the sand. Each one wishing the other was a man this morning. I know some ain't gonna. Till this morning, I know something ain't gonna tell this morning. I know something ain't gonna tell. Wanna go to heaven, don't wanna go to hell this morning. Police come, didn't want to go this morning. Police come, didn't want to go this morning. Police come, didn't want to go. Shot him in the head with my 44 this morning. Right. Down in the wildwood, sitting on log this morning. Down in the wildwood, sitting on log this morning. Down in the wildwood, sitting on log. Finger on the trigger, and I on the hog this morning. Police come, didn't want to go this morning. Police come, didn't want to go this morning. Police come, didn't want to go. Shot her in the head with my 44 this morning. Police come, didn't want to go this morning. Police come, didn't want to go this morning. Police come, didn't want to go. Shot her in the head with my 44 this morning. Um, but Thank I think the popularity of this music is coming back around for the you know millennials and younger. 
But uh, that feels like good... that's just been the last couple of years, really. But I will tell you this. I, I do feel like we've, we were actually talking about it uh, when we were traveling <clears throat> on the road not too long ago. And there is a lot of interesting dynamic between really old time and, and the bluegrass world and the, the slightly more conservative bluegrass world. One thing that is very punk rock, in my opinion, about a lot of these old time tunes is the lyrical content is pretty rowdy. We're talking about drinking and being locked up in jail and, mm -hmm. you know, all sorts of scandalous stuff, which is pretty rowdy in my opinion. You know, it's it's not necessarily that gospel approach that a lot of the bluegrass sell. You know, you're never going to see us on stage in blazers and ties. That's, you know, and so I think that adds to this whole idea. Yeah, that would look, the rowdy would thing. look funny in blazers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't, wouldn't last long. We need to get us some uh, some Renzer suits. Oh. That's right. Sometimes I ramble, get drunk and gamble. Nobody's business if I do. I'm here to tell you nobody's business about it. It's nobody's business, nobody's business, nobody's business about you. Do what I want to, I'm here to tell you nobody's business about you. So for us, it's important that it's got energy and it doesn't feel like it's behind glass and kind of this, I call it library old time, 
you know. That's a good term. Um, yeah. Because I think Smithsonian. Exactly. Because we, if we want to, we are one of the few old time bands I know of that if we need to play it straight traditional, we can, and we love carrying on the tradition of the songs that way. But if we want to get rowdier with it, we can too. And it seems like we connect with a lot of folks that way in terms of uh, just trying to bring a lot of energy and, and making sure that everybody's having a good time. That was the Hogslop String Band from Nashville, Tennessee, playing some of their high-energy old-time music. They started that set with Train 45, followed by Sugar in the Gourd, Policeman, Nobody's Business, and they finished up with Rebel Raid. We'll be hearing a lot more from the Hogslop String Band on today's show, but after this short break, I'm going to head down to the vault for a visit with young Mark Jones. This is Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. Once again, it's time in our program to have a visit with Mark Jones down in the vault. He's the guy that keeps track of all of our music. Let's go see him now. Hello, Mark. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Are you okay? I am. How's things on the farm out at your place? Things are just peachy, just peachy. Everything's fine. Good. Fine. Yep, the cows are growing and the chickens are clucking. And no complaints. I'm glad of that. Hey, you know, I was remembering the other day that for many years, in November, after the regular season had closed here at the Ozark Folk Center, we used to have a contest here, the Spigma Contest. Spigma standing for the Society for the Preservation of Bluegrass Music in America. They, those folks would come in and rent the auditorium for a weekend and have a big fiddle contest. 
Do you have any recordings of that? I sure do, Dave. I've got a Spigma contest that was done back in 1985. And uh, there's some awful good fiddling on it. Yeah? Who, who have you got on here? Well, actually, a young lady that uh, you might recognize her name, but she came up here and played at this fiddle contest, Miss Allison Krause. Allison Krause, yeah. Everybody's heard of Allison Krause. Yeah. And uh, she does a tune called Gardenia Waltz. Well, I'd like to hear that. All right. I'll play it. That was Allison Krause, and you know, I've got to figure, and she would have been 14 or 15 years old at that time. I think so. Holy cow, what a fiddle player. She's great fiddle player. Uh-huh. Boy, she could sure play the double stops in that thing, couldn't she? Oh, she just played everything. As far as I could tell, it was perfect. Perfect. Yeah. You know, back in the day, back at that time, a, a lot of folks showed up here for the contest that really didn't have a big name yet like Allison and and I think uh, Mark O'Connor played in those days too when he was just a kid I think so yeah you know I heard somebody say one time before Allison Krauss if you put all the bluegrass musicians on one side of the road and put the general public on the other side of the road the general public would say who's them gomers <laughs> <laughs> 
And after Allison Krauss, you could put all the bluegrass people on one side of the road and the general public on the other side of the road, and the folks would say, who's all them gomers with Allison Krauss? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> she, made, she made a big name for bluegrass music, didn't she? She sure did. Well, Mark, thanks a lot. It's been good to see you this week. Good to see you too, Dave. I'll see you again. All right. Upon forming as a pickup square dance band in the summer of 2009, the Hogslop String Band has since become one of the most sought-after old-time string bands. With their rollicking repertoire heavily based on Georgia and Middle Tennessee fiddle tunes, these boys have provided entertainment for fashion shows, political conventions, and whiskey distilleries, as well as countless weddings, festivals, and soirees. Let's listen to a few more of their high-energy tunes. A lot of the tunes come to the table from Georgia string bands or Tennessee string bands or, you know, if somebody... Old folks we've been sticking with. Yeah. You, you hear a new tune or a new version of tunes. But I, I would say absolutely Kevin and Daniel both have a, a quite the extensive understanding and, and catalog of old-time old tunes. 
that they both, I feel like you both have an affinity for Pickle and I, we can't even remember the titles of the songs half the time. We just know <laughs> how they sound. But we do, we obviously all the old time stuff that, right. that we do, you know, and, and we kind of, for a long time, our arrangements were kind of just however we decided to, to let them come down. And there wasn't a lot of thought in it. And we might have taken some of the arrangements from bands like the Skillet Liquors or certain certain groups that we really loved and admired. Um, that's all shifted a good bit recently as well. We have been writing some uh, some music on our own that we really oh, that enjoy. Right? And Daniel's also writing original songs and bringing mm -hmm. them to the table for us. And, and
there has been a huge shift, obviously, from physical CD sales to digital releases and Spotify and, and things of this nature that are either downloads or listening, just streaming. Um, but I've never taken any any offense to that. Now, a lot of my friends that are older that have been in the business a long time, it's frustrating for them because they used to make a lot of money and that exactly. money disappeared. Now, for me, my biggest love is being on a stage in front of people. So if that income comes in from hard ticket sales, meaning you need to go on the road and play, I've got no problem with that. I enjoy playing, and if people want to listen for free, we all grew up in a generation where we never really had to pay for music anyway. So I'm fine to give it away as long as we have the opportunity to get in front of people and do that. Um, and I think people want to come out and see it. More and more people want to come mm -hmm. out and see folks playing this Live music's never going to die. No. And we but do especially square dances and things that get people very engaged. So that's something you can't get by right. just having a record. It's a very different dynamic when a crowd comes to stand and stare at a band. That's very different from everyone in the entire place moving together it along is. with the band. That's it a whole is. other thing. Send me half a mile, the people would say. 
This group in particular, it's it's very unique in the sense that we're all just good friends that play music together. And it's a blessing that we've had some momentum and some opportunity to go and play and, and to build what we do kind of based off that. This was never a band where we all sat down around a table and said, how can we make this happen? Um, we have just always focused on having a good time and playing music together and things have kind of naturally unfolded, which is great. But we've had some opportunities that we haven't said yes to because we also do like the opportunity to control our own destiny in mm -hmm. terms of that. And, uh, and you're absolutely right. The industry has changed enough that you can go out and do your own thing and fund everything yourself and keep your ownership, which is a really smart, smart way to, to get around. You know, actually, there's a lot of members of this band that have worked in the music industry and veterans uh, of other areas. Of yeah, the, and we and we know our way around. Yeah. So even though we're just an old time rowdy band, we're pretty thoughtful about the way that we try to move forward and and to build the thing. Four more hot tunes from the Hogslop String Band. In that set, they played Fortune, followed by Greasy Coat, Johnson's Mule, and Billy in the Low Ground. After this break, we'll be visited by our historian friend, Dr. Brooks Blevins, who will continue his piece on Elk in the Ozarks. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. Dr. Brooks Blevins has taught history and folklore at several Ozark colleges and universities and is now our current guest host. Here's Brooks now. It's almost never a good idea to adopt a wild animal and raise it as a pet, but that hasn't stopped a lot of people from doing it. In the old days, it wasn't unheard of for folks to kill a sow bear and take a cub home for the kids to play with. Deer were popular objects of domestication. And there's at least one story in which a wild animal turned pet may just have saved the lives of a family of humans in the old Ozarks. According to a story related to Ozark story collector Silas Turnbow, it was in the early 1800s, somewhere on Crooked Creek in north central Arkansas, that a family by the name of Kazee called a buffalo calf and decided to rear it like they would any other member of the bovine family, keeping it tied to a stake behind the log house. One evening when the patriarch was away on a hunt, 
His wife and small children received an unsolicited visit from a hungry black bear. The bear forced its way into the cabin's one room and ransacked the place while Mrs. Kazee and the kids cowered beneath the punching floor in a tiny cellar. At the very moment that old Bruin discovered the trap door and began tugging against Maul's desperate attempts to keep it shut, the tantalizing ball of the young buffalo penetrated the log walls and pricked the bear's ears. Sometime later, his meal of fresh buffalo beef consumed, the bear disappeared into the cane thicket whence he came, and the Kazees survived to embellish the encounter. So goes the story, and I'm certain the last feller who told it was convinced it was the gospel truth. In this second part of our series on wildlife, we'll head back to the old Ozarks to take a look at Ursus Americanus, the black bear. Bears were common in the Ozarks when the first American settlers made their way into the heart of the region in the early 1800s. This was especially true in the rugged Boston Mountains and White River Hills of northern Arkansas, and Arkansas carried the nickname the Bear State into the 20th century. Bear meat, especially when cooked by someone who knew how to do it, was considered a delicacy, and bears were central to the frontier economy. On his visit to the Ozarks in 1818, Henry Rowe Schoolcraft observed that traders paid $1.50 for a full bear hide, six times as much as for a deer hide, only 50 cents less than a beaver pelt. The bear's fat was even more valuable. Americans in those days used this fat, or grease as it was usually called, for lighting oil, hair gel, and even insect repellent. At one time, there was a bear fat rendering plant on White River at about the state line between Missouri and Arkansas. In fact, the most popular explanation for how the little town of Old Trough on the lower White River got its name involves the old bear fat rendering business. The troughs, or hollowed-out logs that bear hunters used to hold the bear oil, were carried downstream during high waters and often washed ashore in the wide bottoms where the river came rushing out of the hills and into the flatlands. Old Trough is located in just such a place. In the old Ozarks, perhaps no character was more renowned than the bear hunter. My own third great-grandfather and his brother, Andrew and Blair Walker, were memorialized in regional lore as great and great big bear hunters, pretty much the only thing we know about them today. The boldest bear hunters, and perhaps the most foolhardy, were known to follow a fleeing bear into a narrow cave with only a knife to claim their prey. Others perfected the art of the so-called still hunt, sneaking up on a bear scratching through leaves in search of mast. The bear and bear hunter made their way into the region's literary record as well. German explorer Friedrich Gerstecker wrote about his close call with a wounded Bruin in the Boston Mountains of Madison County, Arkansas in 1842, and about his trusty dog named Bear's Grease. Humorist C.F.M. Nolan's fictional alter ego Pete Whetstone tussled with a bear more than once, as did Jim Doggett, the hunter hero of the era's most famous short story, the Big Bear of Arkansas. More than half a century later, Albert Bigelow Payne's children's story, Arkansas Bear, A Tale of Fanciful Adventure, made peace between man and beast. In this classic, a boy named Bocephus and a talking fiddle-playing bear named Horatio become close friends and travel the country entertaining audiences with Horatio's lively version of the old tune Arkansas Traveler. But real bears were practically gone from the Ozarks by the time Payne's book entertained children around the turn of the 20th century. 
Old Isaac Coonrod Wishin of Newton County, Arkansas, later claimed to have helped kill the last known black bear in those mountains in 1885. Today, black bears roam the hills of the Ozarks once again, thanks to the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, which began restocking remote places like Newton County in 1959. You may just spot one on your next drive to the Ozark Folk Center here in Mountain View. Unfortunately, we don't have a recording of Horatio the Bear playing his favorite fiddle tune, but here's a good replacement. We'll let the late Mulkey Kent from Sharp County, Arkansas, take us out with his rendition of Arkansas Traveler from an old recording in the John Quincy Wolf Folklore Collection, courtesy of Lyon College. As a lover of old-time southern mountain music of all kinds, it does my heart good to see young fellows like the Hogslop String Band keeping this great music alive. After all, that's our mission here at the Ozark Folk Center State Park. Let's go back down to the stage for a few more tunes from these guys. No time for waiting, this band's a-playing, and I want to dance with you. No, you don't have to ask them, just stick out your hand and say, I You know, I come from a very different uh, other place musically as well, more of the traditional songwriting world, you know, where you've got verses and pre-choruses and choruses and bridges and Where's structure and, yeah, yeah. and all that sort of thing. And and, um, and it's exciting to play if you're doing it the right way. So we have shifted some of what we're doing just recently to taking a lot of these old-time tunes that are a structure that's like an A part and a B part or, an, or, an, or a three-part tune and actually applying that to more of a traditional singing tune uh, approach. Because it's nice as a listener, I think, at least for myself, to be able to sing along with songs and get the content. And mm -hmm. uh, Choruses are something nice to have sometimes, and not always old-time songs. You can't really spot what the chorus is. No. So we might take a lot of old-time verses and then turn them into tunes with choruses or shift one thing to make it the chorus and then try to paint that picture around it, you know. Arrangement's a big part of it, and I think especially with old-time music, finding unique arrangements that really work and function in a lot of different settings is what we're focused on. <laughs> Don't care for me. 
old time is such a generic, generic term. Nobody really knows what it means anymore. And there are bands that may be considered to have an old time feel. And really all they have is somebody with a banjo on stage wearing a hat. And that makes them old time all of a sudden, you know, I mean, obviously there are groups like Mumford and Sons and these kinds of groups that kind of maybe hint at what we do. Now, obviously, I'm just going to say it. We're not a huge fan of that kind of music. But in some ways, it's nice that that opens the door to a larger crowd. And it definitely has something to do with younger people being more interested in traditional instruments, you know, that banjos and fiddles and wash tubs and things like that on stage. Um which is great that we have the opportunity to do that. Our hope is that we can stick to a lot of this tradition and just through some of these arrangement things we're talking about and through kind of making them our own and allow this music to have some more success and be more noticed by our peers and the millennials and the younger groups, you know, but still actually have our integrity and have the integrity of the songs be there.
Tennessee. And you know what they say? He ain't bashful, he's from Nashville. He's Daniel Beakley. Now this smooth shaven fellow next to him, I'm ready for my introduction now. He's one of my dear friends. He was born in the month of June, actually. And you know what? I could go on and on about him, but I won't because I don't want to. From Atlanta, Georgia, that's Kevin Martin. Okay, that's enough, that's enough. This tall drink of water right here, it usually has to act as my personal bodyguard whenever I go out and cause trouble. We call him Zeus. And boy, he's one tough cookie. His mama whipped him into shape real good, I tell you. That's Mr. Gabriel Kelly on the guitar. And over here, the smallest, little, skinniest little pile of something that we got in the band. The fellow with one string, the least amount of responsibility, who typically just washes our clothes and is washed up more than anything. The fellow that you all have heard way too much tonight, who's so famous he needs no, he needs no introduction, so I'm not gonna give him one. I'm just kidding, that's pickle, y'all. Shaking howdy with us back here at the merch. Nice to meet y'all. Thank you. Thank y'all very much. The Hogslop String Band. You've been listening to some high-energy music from the Nashville-based Hogslop String Band. They started that set with their own version of a more contemporary song, I Want to Dance with You, then played the more traditional song, I Don't Love Nobody, then finished up with a rollicking medley of Crow Black Chicken and John Brown's Dream. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. There's nothing like some good hot fiddle tunes to make your day seem a little brighter. For more information about us and to listen to past shows, you can find us on the web at ozarkhighlandsradio.com. And we'd appreciate it if you'd like us on Facebook, too. For Ozark Highlands Radio, this is Dave Smith. Bye, everybody. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from the Committee of 100, proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. Arkansas State Parks, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. On the web at ArkansasStateParks.com. And by Stone Bank, with deep roots in Mountain View and a deep respect for those who preserve our heritage. More information about what it means to bank Boulder is at StoneBank.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar.